Good morning. I'm Steve Rasmussen, and this is not Bethel Christian Fellowship. This is one of my favorite spots in Como Park in St. Paul. A little tucked away and hidden here, and I thought it would be a great place for Easter. Actually, it's not Easter. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Good Friday as I'm recording this, but you're going to see this on Easter, or maybe later. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about our current situation um, the uh, stay safe at home order was supposed to be removed today in Minnesota, but it wasn't. We had hoped it would be done by Easter. We had hoped COVID-19 would be done, but we it has not worked. And so there's a phrase in the scripture in Luke 24 that I'm going to be reading from that I wanted us to think about. The phrase is, we had hoped. So I want you to think about what is it that you had hoped? What is it that you had hoped but didn't come true. Probably with this COVID-19 thing going on, there are things that you had hoped that are not coming true. So for me, I had hoped we'd never have to put my mom in the nursing home, but we had to. And I had hoped we'd be able to visit her, but two days after that, we couldn't. I had hoped my kids would be able to come home, but my daughter's in Nairobi and there's no international flights. We had hoped a lot of things that are not happening because all this is, we had hoped. Now, so I want you to think about what you had hoped and who you had hoped in to make that happen or what you had hoped in to make that happen. So I'd encourage you to pause the video, think about that question. Now, if we were at Bethel Christian Fellowship, I'd say, talk to your neighbor and tell them what you had hoped because there are things we had hoped that, are not going now. You want to pause it? Okay. So if you've thought about what you'd hoped, I want you to think about that, your disappointment, and bring it to God. So we had hoped for a lot of things. We had hoped in a lot of things and a lot of people. So um, some of us had hoped, yes, we can make America great. Now, that was two different presidential campaigns, but turns out we can't do a lot of things we hope we can. And we hoped that our economy would keep going up. We had hoped that we had conquered sickness and that we would never have another pandemic and that we would not die because essentially the thing that gets us the most is that we die. And Ecclesiastes says it's all meaningless because in the end we die. Life is uh, bad and then you die. That's kind of what we say. And so how do we handle our disappointments? Because we had hoped we would get better. We had hoped we'd be able to do something more. So um, I want to camp on that phrase for a minute. We had hoped. Um, and that's out of Scripture. And I want you to, to read with me from Luke 24. So in Luke 24, uh, starting in verse 13, it says this, that same day, that's, Easter morning, two followers of Jesus were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Now, if it was now, we know what they'd be talking about. They'd be talking about COVID-19 and the shutdown and this and that. Um, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? So I want you to notice that he asked them a question, and he listened. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Notice they were sad. Sadness was written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, 
So we actually know who this was because Luke was interviewing Cleopas and asking him, how was that? And so Cleopas told him exactly what happened. He said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. Now, this is like somebody saying, what are you talking about? COVID-19? Like, what? You don't know about COVID-19? How can you not know what's going on? We had hoped this. We had hoped that. But And Jesus uh plays ignorant, but I want you to know this. The first thing Jesus does is Jesus listens. So the things that you had hoped, I'd encourage you to bring to Jesus and tell him everything that's going on and say, we had hoped this, but it's not turning out like we had hoped. Um, It's sort of like uh, Minnesota. So I decided we'd be out here. So Minnesota spring is kind of already and not yet. That's kind of the way it works. So uh, Monday we were out playing beach volleyball. Well, sort of in our backyard. Um, yeah, 70 degrees, and then yesterday it was snowing. So that's kind of Minnesota, uh, Minnesota spring. We, you know, sundresses on Easter don't often work in Minnesota. So um, it's already spring. Can you tell? Look at all the brown. Um, and yet it's not yet spring. So um, I want you to notice that there are still glimpses of things that we can see, that there are glimpses of spring, but we had hoped for more spring. So, Jesus is listening, and he says this, what things? And they say the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But, but, our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped. But there was death. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. So they say we had hoped. But then there was this crucifixion. There was this death. And for all of us, we had hoped. But then death comes and wipes out our hopes. What have you hoped for that has died? And what grief and sadness are you dealing with as you try to handle the things that have disappointed you? Now, I I want you to notice specifically they said we had hoped he was the Messiah. So there are a lot of gods that we depend on, and they often don't turn out the way we think. Um, So we had hoped, but... They don't, false gods never fail to disappoint. False gods never fail to fail. And, but sometimes we focus on the right God and we we say, we had hoped he was the just king who was coming. This is our year for the just king. And we talked about how these people had hoped for centuries. In fact, 2,000 years ago, Abraham was promised something. And then 1,400 years ago, they were going to the promised land. They got to the promised land, and it didn't turn out quite like they thought because there were the judges, and all this happened. Then they thought, oh, we had hoped we could get a just king, and then Saul wasn't it. And then David was it, but then he also failed. And then Solomon was amazing, but he really messed up. Um, And then things went down. And then there was, you know, Hezekiah, and there was some hopes. But then it was worse and worse. And then they ended up in exile. And then God brought them back, but it wasn't what they had remembered or hoped. And then, you know, the 
Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Greeks, and then the Persians. Well, well, no, the Persians, then the Greeks, and then the Romans. In between there, the Maccabees had come and had this big deal, and but then they were disappointing too. So here we are still in exile, still in bondage. We had hoped you were going to rescue Israel. For 2,000 years, for 1,000 years since David, they had hoped for the just king to come back, for someone to come elsewhere and rescue because it was not working out like they had hoped. What hopes do you have? Now, here's the thing. They had hoped that he was the Messiah. And at the beginning of Luke, it says he's going to come and he's going to be the son of David. He's going to be the son of God. The son of God refers to that Psalm 2 things about the Messiah, the, the just king. So, and then Jesus says, you're my beloved son. As in Psalm 2, this, this is the king. This is the Messiah. Uh, God says that about Jesus. And then all through, and finally the disciples say, who am I? And they say, you're the just king who's come. And he says, right, and now I'm going to suffer. And they're like, no, 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 wait, you're the just king. And even when it gets to the, the crucifixion, you'll find over and over, I have been, I had not noticed this so much, but throughout this time, they, they, the whole point is, who is Jesus? And it keeps saying, he's claiming he's the Messiah, a king. And Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And then they crucify him and, and uh, they put a sign up that says, this is the king of the Jews. And they say, if you're the Messiah, if you're the just king, why don't you save yourself? Take yourself out of this suffering. And one, one of the th other people, thieves killed on the cross, says, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, remember me. He believes in the kingdom. And then interesting thing, Jesus says, today you'll be with me. Today I'm enthroned on my cross and you're going to be with me in paradise, in this Garden of Eden, which looks a little brown. Um, so this anticipation that today, so Jesus all through that passage, it's, is he the one? And even Joseph of Arimathea was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. So this theme is all the way through. And here we have, was he the Messiah? Now, here's my thing. I think some of us believed that Jesus was the just king we were looking for. And we believed he was going to provide things for us. And he, we, he was going to make sure that we never lost our job. And he was going to make sure that we never really got sick. And that certainly we never died or our kids died or our parents died. And then we were disappointed because something didn't work out. And we said, I thought I had hoped that Jesus was the just king who was going to give me what I needed. We had hoped he was the Messiah, but their hope was gone. Then they go on. They say, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They'd been at the cross. They'd taken the body, followed it to the tomb. They went back and it was empty. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. What? Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. So they're confused. We had hoped he was the Messiah. The Messiah, the way we thought, a Messiah who wouldn't suffer, a Messiah who wouldn't let us suffer. But then there's this, something's going on. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer? 
on they were like no i didn't think so but he says it was predicted that the messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory so suffering is part of following jesus it was certainly part of the thing for jesus to enter into his glory then jesus took them through the writings of moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself so this was the most surprising thing that god had told them all along was going to happen it just wasn't obvious to anybody it was surprising to everybody that he could be crucified so humiliated bloodied and and shamed that he could in that process be defeating all the other powers so jesus reinterprets the scripture and he reinterprets suffering and he says there's meaning that's different because there's a resurrection because what happened on the cross was not a failure it was a victory it was not a defeat it was not death it was the entrance to life now it was real death but there was a resurrection okay by this time they were nearing emmaus and the end of their journey Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So we went home with them. Now, this is good Middle Eastern hospitality, and it's actually good for our hospitality. You never know when you're going to have Jesus over um, who might seem like a stranger. He might become a friend and then part of the family, as we say at Bethel Christian Fellowship. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened God opened their eyes and they recognized him. And in that moment, he disappeared. Wow. So I want you to see that they noticed that Jesus had been with them. I want you to ask God to do the same for you. God, help me notice Jesus. Help me notice Jesus. Help me notice the things that are happening right around me that I can't see. Help me to notice that it actually is spring. There's actually some buds in the brown. There's a little green in the brown. And there is life where it looks like things are dead. Spring is already here. And life is already happening. So, So they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Back to Jerusalem. So I want you to notice something. In Luke and Acts, Jerusalem is not a comfortable place. Jerusalem is, as Jesus says, where you have to go to suffer. No prophet should die outside of Jerusalem. Paul also goes there to suffer. And They were running away from the suffering because Jesus had insisted on going to Jerusalem, but now they were going to get caught and they were going to, and they were seemingly running away from Jerusalem, but they turned around and went back to where they were supposed to be, even if it meant some suffering. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. So, One thing, I hope you can notice Jesus, and then I hope you can share with somebody else and say, hey, I noticed Jesus. And they can say, you know what? I noticed him too. Now, this was 
not even figurative. This was literally the risen body of Jesus. Um, but we can notice Jesus as well. Then I want you to notice in, in another scripture, it says they were, they were locked in. They were under quarantine and they were doing the safe at home, locking in all the doors so that the evil and the sin out there wouldn't get them and the death wouldn't come to them. The truth is that um, COVID-19 is not our biggest problem. It's just a symptom of our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is sin and the suffering that it produces. So we need a solution to sin, death, and Jesus provided it on the cross. So, so they're there. They say, we've seen Jesus. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you. Shalom. I want to wish that for you. May Jesus' presence be with you and may you find shalom and peace in your situation, in your disappointment, things not working out like you hoped. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Was Jesus a ghost? Was he spiritually present? Was he sort of his spirit? Did he kind of, um, no. He says this, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Uh, well, actually with this COVID-19, some of us are frightened. Some of us are really filled with doubt. But he says, why? Because I'm here. He says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. And make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. He said, this is really my hands. See, this is real body, real flesh, not a ghost, not a apparition, not a something less. His body was resurrected. And that means that our bodies are going to be resurrected like his. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. The, the joy is starting to peek in. The wonder, the, they're trying to figure it out. Then he asked them, do you have something here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Now, some of you are saying, that's kind of weird. What's this thing about eating fish? Well, the point is he had a body. He could eat. You could touch him. You could hug him. You could feel his wounds. He had a resurrected real body. And we... Paul says, because he was resurrected, we're going to be resurrected because that means that death is not the end. In our bodies, we're going to see Jesus and each other again in a, a new world that's uh, going to be more Edenish than this. The real spring. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah, the just king, would suffer and die. They had not seen that. And rise from the dead on the third day, as he had also predicted. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. All the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, that place of suffering. The message is this. There is forgiveness of sins. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. 
you are witnesses to these things. So there is forgiveness of sins to all who repent. Why? Not because there's impunity and, oh, you know, it's no big deal. Just forgive it. No, because Jesus took the punishment that had to be paid. So there wasn't just impunity, but because he did, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Every person, every kind, you and all you've done. Even those people and all they've done, there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of all these things. So we are supposed to be, we are called to be, we are welcome to be witnesses to what Jesus has done. Now, these guys had a whole different kind of witnessing. They witnessed Jesus bloody, shamed, naked, crucified. And they witnessed his body that they could touch, that they could watch eat fish that they could um but we are witnesses of the ways that we have experienced jesus in this time and he goes on and he says and now i will send the holy spirit just as my father promised but stay here in the city until the holy spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven then jesus led them to bethany and lifted his hands to heaven he blesses he blessed them while he was blessing them he lift he (laughs) went up to heaven So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Notice, they had changed from sorrow to joy, great joy. And and it says, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. So they changed from people who were running away from Jerusalem, running away from suffering, running away from the temple, where those chief priests were sure to get upset with them again like they did with Jesus. They went back in to the temple, praising God, knowing it could lead to suffering, but they did it with great joy because they knew now that suffering was not the end. There was meaning because there was resurrection. There was life. So um, I want us to think about a couple of things here. A, A little recap. First of all, we started with saying we had hope. But it's not that we had hope that Jesus was the Messiah. Actually, we have hope now because Jesus is the Messiah. He is the just king. He was living, prophesying. He also died for our sins, suffered, and then was raised to to life. And he went to be with the Father to sit at his throne and to reign as the just king. He is reigning now in On his throne, he is reigning. So we have hope because Jesus is the just king. And what does Jesus do? It says in this scripture, Jesus listens. Go to him with everything that's on your mind, your sorrows, your joys, everything. Jesus' first question was, what things? He wants to hear what's on your mind and your heart. And Jesus is present through his Holy Spirit. He's present with us. I want you to notice when you're breaking bread, when you're walking in the way, notice that Jesus is with you. And then share it with somebody else. Say, hey, I noticed Jesus. And they can say, me too. I noticed him this way. I want you to see also that Jesus reinterprets the scriptures and suffering. So suffering is reinterpreted because of what Jesus has done. Then I want you to notice he forgives sin justly because of his taking the penalty And then because he forgives sin, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to 
repent. And then he also reassigns us and gives us a chance to be witnesses of him. So I want to, and then finally he resurrects peace, joy, and hope. I want to, I want to show you a little bit about this because I think sometimes we, uh, we're not sure what to do. Here's what we need to do. We need to take the next step. The next step may be on your assignment. The next step may be repenting. We have done things wrong. Not only me, but we, we need to repent. When you get angry about something, say, you know what? We have done things wrong. Repent of what we have done wrong. So repentance is what? It's not about being sad. Repentance is you're walking this way and you go, "Uh oh, I shouldn't do that. I turn around and I go the other way. That's repentance. Just turning around. Now, I want you to notice something. Just watch this now. So you can't take the next step when you're kicking yourself. You can't repent when you're kicking yourself. That's not the same thing. This is repentance. Now, one other thing. You can't, oh, those people, those Democrats, my wife, my kids, my parents. You can't take the next step when you're kicking other people. As long as we're kicking each other, we're not going to take the next step and do what we need to do. We need to just take the next step. We need to take the next step in the right direction. Let Jesus show you what the right direction is. Let him turn you around so you can repent of your sins. Let him reassign you so you can be a witness of who he is, the resurrected Jesus and the life that he brings. And we have hope because Jesus brings us great joy and peace and hope. I want to read Romans 15, which says this. Let's start in verse 12. Then another place Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles, over all the nations. They will place their hope on him. Isn't it great that all the nations are placing their hope on him on this Easter Sunday? I pray, he says, that God, the source of hope, God is the source of hope. If you're looking to something else for hope, I'm sorry, it's actually hopeless. False gods never fail to fail. Only one God who is represented by Jesus is the source of hope. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Not some other thing for joy or hope, but in him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then, you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can give us overflowing hope. And you know what? There's a lot of people around us who don't have hope, who have lost hope, who say we had hoped. We can have overflowing, confident hope that knows that this is going to happen because Jesus is the just king. He has conquered death. He has already conquered it. And yet he's also going to conquer completely and all of us are going to be resurrected, have new bodies and live in the Garden of Eden where it's always spring. Um, so I want you to notice over here, there's uh, some, some flowers breaking out of the concrete and the rot and there is hope because Jesus has risen. It's already spring. 
It's not yet spring. Jesus has already conquered death, and he will completely conquer death. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for coming to be our just king. Thank you for coming to give us hope. Thank you that you confronted the worst. You confronted death, and you were victorious over it, and you were resurrected. Because you were resurrected, we have hope. No matter what's happening, no matter the disappointments, no matter about COVID-19, we have hope because you have life, peace, joy. And we trust you to give us hope for now and forever. Amen. Bless you. Have a great Easter and a great safe-at-home time with Jesus.